Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my first self-improvement based interview on this channel and on this podcast. I am so excited to bring my longtime friend, Zach Platt, on the show. Zach Platt is one of my best friends of over a decade now, and he's also an aspiring entrepreneur as well and a very strategic thinker. And I think he's just going to do great things in business and in life. So I need to have my day one of day ones as the first interview. In this self-improvement interview, we're going to be talking about responding to death with growth. We're going to be talking about applying forgiveness and acceptance to his relationships and people in his life. Um, the importance of growth mindset. We'll also talk making opportunities from school, competitiveness, the quality of conversations you're having, and a ton more. A few housekeeping things before we get into it. Number one, please, as you're watching this video or listening to this podcast, engage with it as you're going, whether that's a like, a comment, and if you're enjoying it enough, please subscribe. That would be great. Um, All this stuff supports my channel, supports me for future interviews, and uh, I would just love if you could do that. Secondly, if you have strategic advice of how I can improve my interviews or as well the interview format, I would love to hear it because I am open. I want to get better. So throw that in the comments below. Again, like I said, this is my first interview I'm doing. This is also Zach's first time being interviewed. So um, it starts off, I'm a little bit nervous at the beginning just be, due to imposter syndrome and little things I was going through, but um, I think it came out really fucking valuable. And uh, for a first interview, I was pleased with how it all came out. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview with none other than one of my best friends in the world, Zach Platt. It is May 13th. 2020. I am here with my longtime friend, Zach Platt. And uh, this is going to be the first podcast interview, if you will. I've been wanting to do interviews for a long time. I wanted to bring people on that I believe in and that have good perspectives that people can learn from. And Zach is no exception here. He's been one of my day one, day ones. So that's why I wanted to have you as the, as the first guest because we've been fucking friends since... Oh boy, like grade seven, yeah, I think I it was. You had to check, but yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> like we were like 12 or 13, so yeah. it's been so long. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you, man. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so let's just fucking dive right into the, the way back when for a second. Um, we've, since we've been friends for so long, like we've had like some hilarious memories, some fun, some fun things. We've also grown a lot as people like, mm-hmm when well who we were back as friends at that age is like very different from how our friendship is now. that is for sure like um we we were like shit disturbers back in the day and like just complete clowns and i feel like we've evolved in very good ways so um what would be one thing that you feel that we've both grown in since we've become friends over the years if you will yeah um i guess it's kind of a build on what you were saying probably just perspective overall um I'd say, yeah, perspective or maybe even growth mindset. Um, That's what I was going to say yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think throughout the years, you know, you made decisions when you were in like high school and stuff that I didn't necessarily agree with. And then things started transitioning. I think we both went through different stages of that. And like, I think you probably actually hit it earlier than me, but uh, that's definitely the biggest one. I think now we approach things very differently because of those two things. So the perspective of what other people are doing or how you're approaching something and how we respond to that is very different than what it used to be. Right. Um, while less judgmental stuff like that, that all kind of coincides with those two, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, emotions or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I think those are both two really positive ones. <clears throat> that's probably been my answer though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's important as well. That's, that was going to throw out my point of view around that as well. And like the thing I threw down was uh, definitely growth mindset because like, man, it's, it's really sad to see how many people stay in the exact same type of personality, um, same type of skills, the same type of mm-hmm. way they approach life, look at the world, etc. Sure. And like, it's just not interesting to me. No, definitely so, like, not. Yeah. It, there's a lot of things that funnel from it too, right? I mean, the self-awareness required for that is very different as well. And then, um, you know, the conversations you have with people or the, you know, your work or whatever it might be is all very different when you have that mindset. So, um, you know, how you approach every relationship I find is a lot different. I can speak for at least myself, but I, I've, you know, watched it from your end as well too, which is interesting. So yeah, hundred um, percent. Like you can, like I, I was, yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we've we've gone through what it, like what i think it was unique about our friendship is even as we as time goes on like friend groups change and all that shit um i've went through certain friend groups i don't resonate with anymore and like that's completely okay mm-hmm. like no no shade to people mm-hmm. but it's i really think it's cool that we keep our relationship going mm-hmm. through like unique ways and yeah um it's like it, it's so you, we leave our hangouts our conversations if you will and you feel like Enter energized. You feel yes. like you actually yeah, learn yeah. something. Absolutely. Like yeah. those it's are always very positive. Yeah, fun is a real word for it, and like meaningful, maybe. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. I would also throw in like stimulating. Like yes, it's actually, that's a better word for it. Actually, yeah. the conversations are meaningful in nature, and like you leave having grown a little bit yeah from it yeah because we question each other which is perfect yeah which i yeah i love that as well like yes there's no like yes manning and there's more just like Mm -hmm. hey like if we disagree with something we also approach it approach it with more like respect in nature why did you do that what was your decision there explaining i'm curious i want to learn why you did that instead of yeah what the fuck are you talking about right which is very different yeah 100 percent. and there's not a lot of conversation i mean from my my day-to-day i don't have a lot of conversations like that so i always enjoy mine with, with you specifically so same i appreciate that yeah um so yeah like i also want to throw back to like some funny memories like what are what are do you have any funny memories that you can think of because like i i have one thing written down here about uh our legendary beer pong night okay and Um, like you and i are like very fucking competitive and that's been sure that's been a theme throughout our friendship one thousand percent like i basically since as soon as we've been friends we've always like been battling in a certain way mm-hmm. um and i think it's really funny how it manifests into beer pong because we've, we've such a dumb thing but yes <laughs> bro, bro, bro that's like even though it's like a silly example it is just like a highlight of how we fucking are for sure yeah and there was a phase in, the, in our lives when that was like everyone in high school loved to party and stuff and that was like yes of course we went through that phase too so and uh let me just look at our stats real quick <laughs> you wrote it down <laughs> oh yeah okay. i wrote down our fucking crazy night Okay, so what happened is we actually, we went to a house party in Guelph mm. at, uh, at a girl's house, and we, instead of, like, talking to people... I remember we made people mad that night. We decided nice. to sit on the table for seven fucking hours that night. So we ran the table for 22 games in a row winning... <clears throat> Yeah, okay, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. I think it's fucking amazing. Our record on the night says 34 and 8. So we 
Didn't have the greatest like ending there, but too holy many beers fuck. by the time we were done, probably uh, a little bit. We were yeah. playing a shit ton. Yeah, right? it was, that was a party with like people I didn't really know either. Too, I, I feel like we didn't correct. We there's knew people like, who weren't weren't didn't feel too friendly about the the way we were acting. I guess, but that's okay. fucking cares. Anyways, yeah, it was the, fun. we like knew like a handful of people if that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're we're kind of just like rocking our competitive nature because that was all we really could do at that point. Yeah, but I kind of want to talk to people. That's weird. Come on. It was uh, it was so funny though, but I feel like that's uh, that's one of my favorite memories between us. Um, we also got like tons of memories of just like man, because we, we've just we were so, so young when we met each other that we have just so many dumbass stories like that. Yeah, I had a feeling you were gonna ask me something like that, and like I couldn't really pinpoint a single one. There's a couple that stick around. Um, one I love to tell people is uh, it's probably like six seven years ago now, and the reason it's still funny is because it's still useful to this day. Is the time that. I, I, I said happy birthday to you first, I think. And then your response was, you too. And I was like, well, not really, but thanks. And now every year, it's like a, it's like a tradition. So now it's always a thing. Thanks, you too. So it's like something subtle. It wasn't like super funny, but it just stuck around, which is hilarious. Oh, and so. we like keep it up every fucking birthday. Yeah. It's beautiful. Twice a year, you get a thanks, you too. I love it. Yeah. it. Like, we were religiously waiting for that. It's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like... We've changed so much over time. Um, tons of different interests that have changed over time. Mm. We still keep these like foundational things, but there's been, been also like new things that have come about for you. Things like backpacking, for example. Mm-hmm. Like how how has that impacted you recently? You tell a little bit of how yeah your I'll do the travels have gone recently. How I started the travel. I mean, really, it was True. it was the girlfriend uh, Angie who kind of introduced it to me. Um, I went on a, a boys trip, classic like you know you go to Cuba or whatever and. It was like six of you to have a good time and ended up meeting Angie there. And then she was someone who had already been backpacking multiple times. Uh, she was in a friend group who loved that. And I was kind of never really thought about it. I was more career driven um, for other reasons. And obviously, like you said, interest changed. But um, I ended up giving it a go and went to Panama for the first trip ever, which some people were like, well, that seems like a weird one to go to. But fantastic decision. Um, you know, I did it the proper way. Like it was we island hopped and I just said hostel to hostel. And I mean, you know, the people you meet was incredible. When you go to a country like that, and we went to somewhere called Boca del Toro, so it was kind of like off the beaten path in a way. We went to the main city as well, but we, we focused on more of the kind of, you know, kind of the hidden places, if you will. And because we made that decision, everyone that was there was also a backpacker. So like for that first time that I was getting in there, I was surrounded by people who were all had like the same, same mindset, um, which was fantastic. It was really interesting for me to see, very new, and I mean, you know, we just talked about the whole growth mindset and how we changed and like these people were leaps ahead of me in a lot of ways mm. especially when it came to perspective because i'd been to 15 20 countries and they were you know 23 years old or whatever it was um and i had some envy there i was like wow it's like that's really cool and, like the conversation with this person is you know within five minutes of talking to a backpacker the quality of conversation was what me and you have on a month-to-month basis which i was already stimulated mm. by so now all of a sudden I'm meeting, you know, 20 new people a day and having 20 stimulating conversations a day. And I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible, right? So that was the first thing that I was hooked on. And then, uh, I mean, the fact that I was dealing with someone who was also a lot of fun. So Angie was a fantastic person to travel with. So I was lucky enough to have a good travel partner is what we call each other, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I kind of just hooked from there on out. I haven't done too much. I, I ended up doing a a good almost two and a half month stint in Europe. I guess it was more like two months um, where I did like 15 countries there. It was a little different than that of Panama, but um, still had the same pieces. You just had to look in the right spots. So the whole like hidden 
you know, going to more hidden places versus a more, mm. I'm going to call it a white girl place. Um, <laughs> you know, it definitely has different people. So, you know, like in Europe, there was, you know, people going, going on school trips just to party and stuff. And that wasn't really what I was traveling for. I was interested in the people you meet, the food you have and stuff like that. So I tried to keep it focused on those things, but, um, yeah, the decision to start traveling was a fantastic one. And my perspective on like life priorities and how to still enjoy life and be career driven has changed dramatically since I started doing that. What's changed in, in regards to that? Well, I mean, I used to be a lot more focused on, okay, right now is the time to only care about my career. Let's get some money. Let's make sure I put myself in a good position for the future, mm -hmm. which is good. Like, I think that was a good mindset because I had that when I was like 14 years old. So I started saving super young. Right. 14 years old. Yeah. When I first started working at like some, in some dude's backyard on like a, on a deck, I was like, my dad sat me down and was like, listen, like we're going to open this up for you and blah, blah, blah. So he kind of forced it in me from a young age, which was fantastic, mm. but I ended up taking it too far, which I do with some things. Um, and I kind of went dramatic with it where the point I was at, like, you know, I wanted to be able to pay for university or college, whatever it was by the time I was like, you know, 18 or whatever. And it didn't necessarily work out, but, um, I started caring about too much or caring about money too much or valuing it too high, um, which had its negative effect for sure. And it had other things we can talk about after, but, um, then once I started doing the traveling stuff and yeah, sure. It costs a decent amount of money, but if you do it the right way and you plan things out, you can still do both, which is the long-term financial success as well as still enjoying life while you're young. Right. Um, I know I've told you the whole triangle of, you know, energy, time and, and money. Um, you never have all three. So you make the decision on which one you want to go without. I, I picked money in a way, um, with still, you know, keeping in mind the planning and stuff like that. So, um, I transitioned from really caring about money to, okay, what's my priority in life? Maybe it's worth, you know, mm -hmm. going with this side of the triangle instead of, you know, being 80 years old and having no energy, but all this money and I can't actually go anywhere fun or do any of the backpacking type sort of stuff. Right. right. Um, you know, I prefer the adventure side of stuff. And like when I travel, I want to do hiking and I want to, you know, bike or whatever it is, or I wanted to skydive in Switzerland, but, um, I can't do that if I'm super old. Right. So I had to like mm -hmm. consciously make that decision. Like, listen, you know, it's okay if you don't have money for 10 years now, but you have a, a 10 years where you can talk to, you know, tell fantastic stories. Like that's, um, that's crucial. And I was on both extremes of that and I had to find a middle ground. So um, I that. Yeah. So the travel has been fantastic. It's probably the biggest, um, growth piece for me in the last, in the last year or so I'd say. It's very interesting. Cause I have not dive. I haven't mm -hmm. taken the proper energy or time or even money mm -hmm. to allocate it to travel just because mm -hmm. I've been more of what you're saying right there around like, how can I like the closest I get to like wanting to vacation right now is literally just like festivals, just yeah. like here and there type yeah. of thing. But, uh, definitely something in the near future that I would definitely consider. Um, what was the big jump for you that made you want to pursue that? That's a tough one. Uh, my mom's had done Europe, uh, when she was younger, she was like 18 right when she finished school as well. Um, 18 to 22 actually, I think. So she had done it. And originally I had said, okay, I'm going to do it too because of all the good things she mentioned about it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it, that kind of like fizzled out. And, I, and then by the end of it, it was almost like I was doing it for someone else, which was the wrong reason. And then, um, the Panama one was really, uh, Angie wanted to do that. And I said, I'd come with her and it just kind of, just kind of just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it's kind of a fluke in a way. And then as soon as I experienced a, a, a snippet of it, I was like, Oh, I'm hooked. Like I want to do more of that. Like, you know, give me as much as I can. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I say this to everyone who I try and promote traveling to everyone does it for a different reason. So there's no shame in which reason you go for Right. So the festival stuff, I mean, ultimately it's giving you the same value in a way. Um, so, you know, when I pitch it to, to different people, I always say like, you can go for this reason, go for that reason, go for this one. Um, 
like I said, mine is just more about the food and the people and whatnot. So yeah, I that's it. the stuff I like. Yeah. I respect it. Um, so do you, you find yourself a lot more chill these days? Yes. Yeah. yeah like I do. Yeah. I, so back in the day, going back to like how you've grown and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which I feel is, is just like the main theme of this conversation so far. I feel they used to be like a firecracker and you've definitely chilled out a lot more. Yeah. That's, and would you like to touch on why you think that is the case? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this obviously relates, relates to the travel piece as well, but, uh, when my mom had passed away, um, I had to like reflect a little bit on who I was as a person and how I was reacting to things. So, and when did she pass away? Uh, three, three and a half years ago now. Yeah. 20, 2015, I think. No, sorry. That doesn't make any sense. 2017. Something like and that. You were... I was 18, I think at the time. So, okay. man, my numbers are all messed up. It's okay. That's not true. But, so you're at 18 or? I'm just trying to think back now. Okay. You know what? I think it's four years in October. So I would have been 19. 19. Okay. Yeah. So 19 is where, yeah. So at 19, she Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was like at the time I wasn't really speaking to her because there was some issues of relationship. Um, a lot of that was due to money, um, which was a mistake long-term and kind of ties back to what I was talking about with overvaluing money and whatnot. But, um, yeah, she passed away and it wasn't necessarily like I was, you know, absolutely broken because the way she lived her life, you know, drinking and then uh, all this type of stuff, it was kind of, she kind of brought on herself. Um, so what I had to do after it happened was I had to reflect on the mistakes I made and not, and not focus on what she had done. You know, she lived whatever way she wanted to and she was an alcoholic and all that stuff. And, you know, people who know me know about that. And I'm not afraid to talk about any of it. Um, but I made the decision to stop talking to her based on some financial decisions that she made that kind of affected me. So um, I let money get in the way which is a huge mistake. And that was the first massive breaking point into the whole, I need to start enjoying life piece. Um, and then that kind of just spiraled into other stuff. So I started recognizing the way I was reacting to other people. Um, you know, other family members are a good example of this. Um, some people were, you know, making foolish decisions the same way she was. Um, and sure there was things I could do to, to try and help out, but ultimately the way someone else lives their life is totally up to them. And I had to be a little more self-aware and be like, okay, you know what? It's about how I react to it, not what they're doing, which is a very different mindset, right? Um, so once I did that, I was able to kind of remove myself whatever, from whatever situation, kind of look down upon it and say, okay, you know what? Like, sure, they may have done something that was, you know, in my opinion, foolish. I can either respond super aggressively and it's just spirals downwards and just gets worse and worse. Or I can say, you know what? Okay, fine, I get it. You made that decision and then I make a more positive decision based on that. So, you know, whether it's removing myself from that or whether it's forgiving them just for the sake of forgiving them, even, um, you know, a lot of people are bad at holding grudges. Um, I'd like to consider myself someone who doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. You've definitely grown a lot with that. My God. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll share a story on that one. Uh, when my mom had passed away, there was a bunch of legal stuff that happened. So my stepdad at the time, who was a great guy, by the way, like best thing ever happened to her. Um, everyone loved the guy. Um, you know, John, yeah, John. of course, um, you know, people gave him a hard time because of the way things happened. He was kind of on his own and then it was, you know, me and my brother and my aunt. And it was kind of like, it turned into a head to head thing because all of a sudden money's involved. Right. So, okay, cool. Fantastic. Money changes people. People keep saying that to me. I know, I know. Um, and this is before I kind of went through that transition. So, um, I was definitely subject to that and it did change me and how I thought about certain people. So, 
um, it went on for, I think two years, like a legal battle and all this stuff. And the relationship between myself and my brother and, and John and my dad, John, I know there's two of them is confusing. Um, and even my aunt, you know, it all kind of, uh, there, it's not like it was, you know, demolished. It's just, there was definitely some, some different vibes going on. Mm. Um, and then at the end of it, I had to, again, I had to look back on it and be like, what was I doing? Right. Like I understood other people responded certain ways. But I was not mad about how they responded. I was mad about how I responded. Mm. So then I kind of consciously made a decision to try and fix what I had done, um, you know, make the right steps, et cetera. Um, and again, you know, it all kind of ties into the money piece and everything else. And, mm. and it's being self-aware and having a better perspective and making sure you're reacting the way you should react versus what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I appreciate so, that. Much more chill, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's hilarious to think about, like, how different you approach things now than what you used to back in the day because mm-hmm. like especially when we would both get pissed at each other which actually happened we got so pissed at each other one time we didn't speak for fucking nine months yeah for and sure. like yeah. i feel like since then though we've become like better friends than we ever have even though we talk a lot less mm-hmm. but are just our output of quality of conversation mm-hmm. is so much higher within that smaller time yeah. that it just makes for a much better friendship I find. Absolutely, so. yeah. We talk to each other like what, every, every month or every two months maybe? Yeah, we do like our little, yeah. uh, every month or so or every yeah. two months we have a nice little coffee slash yeah. tea slash beer hangout here. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's quality, right? That's yeah. the difference, yeah, for Very sure. Much so. um, you also mentioned your dad in there and I also wanted to talk about how you, your impact of, or the impact of your relationship has come through your past, the passing of Trudy, mm-hmm. as well as like mm-hmm. um, giving direct truth and, and touch on that story. Yeah, for sure. I'll kind of dive into that one. So it's related to what I was touching on before. Um, it that was the the relationship that was hurt the most, um, and again, probably mostly because of me. I think I take a lot of responsibility for it now. So ultimately, what happened was, you know, he was kind of taking the brunt on and kind of representing us in a way in the legal stuff. Um, and like I said, I went on for about two years and, um, you know, everyone wanted a piece of something as always, uh, when it comes to money again. And, you know, all of a sudden he wanted his piece and, um, you know, it was because she screwed him over financially for a lot of years as well. I understood that. So, uh, my brother and I were both on, on, on board with that and we we're okay with it, but I ended up getting kind of, uh, I don't know what the word, maybe hairy, um, mm. uh, things got sour quickly again, the money stuff. And then. After a while, just the relationship with my dad was always an argument all the time, which is super negative. And I was trying to remove myself from, from any negative relationship, as I mentioned. So um, the direct truth came in. Yeah. So I had to kind of put myself in a super uncomfortable position and like, you know, call him and say, hey, like, I need to talk to you. We got to sit down, which in my world, it was not something you do. Uh, my brother, my dad and myself are all, I think, what is referred to as emotionally constipated. Um, so not great at having like open conversations like that. Um, so I was trying to change that. So I had to kind of put myself in a weird position. And yeah, I sat him down and I said, hey, listen, like, you know, I'm not here to say you, that you did anything wrong. I'm here to apologize firstly, because I responded the wrong way and let you know what I'm thinking on all this stuff and say like, listen, I don't think we have a good relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of surprised that by that. He said, oh, I didn't think that, but I'm glad you mentioned it, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it kind of turned into a, yeah, it turned into a really good conversation, but I was sweating before. Yeah. Cause it was, I, I mean, some people are more aggressive with their parents. Some people aren't. Um, me and him are, are very similar in that we were more aggressive until I just kind of started, started transitioning. Um, yeah, so I kind of laid it all on the table. And then since then, it's been, been like the best decision I ever made. Um, not only am I more capable of putting myself in a position like that now, but 
Um, I couldn't tell you the last time I had an argument. And this was this was pretty recently. This was about a year ago, I think now. Um, just before I left for Europe, actually. It's so maybe even less. Probably like six to eight months. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, now every time we have a conversation, it's super open. Um, he seems to be more himself as well. And he's also, mm -hmm. yeah, he puts a little more care into what he says, and I do as well. So, um, yeah, the direct truth was was a fantastic decision. Even though I was super uncomfortable to do it, I had to like, Really, I really forced myself. What did you do to prepare yourself for that? I don't even know. I think to start the process, I texted him, which ended up being a bad decision because <clears throat> I don't know if you ever received a text saying, hey, we need to talk or something like that. It's yeah. the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's, but It is a bad text. Um, but I had to do it that way. I was like, I was already in the hole, right? Okay, yeah. Um, so that was the so first you're, piece. you were getting like yourself locked in so you didn't have an option to get out. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then I ended up talking to a couple other people. I think I talked to you at the time. You did. Um, I also talked to my brother who, once again, emotionally constipated. Um, he was on the same page. He said, yeah, listen, like I'm surprised you're doing it because I wish I could too. Um, he ended up getting the, the best scenario because he got to kind of bandwagon on me a little bit. <laughs> um, he never had this conversation with him, but he felt very similar, right? Okay. Um, the whole negative relationship between the three of us was, was happening. So, um, you know, he supported, you know, the points I was trying to make and he was, he was on board with the fact that I was approaching it from, Hey, listen, I know some people did some things. I don't care about that. It's how I'm responding to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about, again, the grudge piece. My dad is someone who still has a grudge towards probably someone like John. I don't. I still think, like, you know, regardless of how everything went down, I still think he was the best thing that happened to my mother. So for that, how can you be mad, right? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense. So, um, yeah, so the direct truth ended up working out. And, yeah, I used other people, I guess, to push me into things. Forced myself a little bit and then used some supporting pieces to kind of be like, hey, listen, like what you're doing makes a lot of sense. I think mm -hmm. you're gonna feel better about it after you do it. And they were right, you know, yourself and my brother and a few other people. Um, yeah, don't regret it one bit. Sweet. Did yeah. you approach the conversation with almost like, because there's many ways you can approach a conversation like that. Did you approach it very head on? Did you approach it with a lot of empathy? Like what was the what was the mindset going into that? Um, I guess a little bit of both. Um, it was a matter of just getting through like the first three sentences. Um, you know, the awkward part was like sitting on the couch at his place and I was, he's like, okay, what is it? What do you need? Like you asking me for money right now? And I was like, God, no, like, what are you talking about? Um, and that made me mad and I had to like, okay, cool, cool down, hold on, don't feel bad now. You're trying to best foot forward here. Um, so I had kind of not prepared a sentence by any means, but prepared some points and I kind of just dove into it. And yeah, a lot of empathy for sure. So um, one of the first things I said was, you know, I don't think the way you responded to the fact that you wanted any money out of things was wrong. I was totally on board with that. I think you're right. You got screwed over. Let's start there. Right. Okay. Um, so right off the bat, I didn't want him to get offended. So I did my best to, uh, kind of clear that off from the, from, from the get go. Um, of course it's a difficult conversation. There's still like, you know, sometimes some things are conceived as a jab. I tried to avoid anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it took a lot more ownership than was probably necessary, but I just viewed that as the right move mm -hmm. at the time. Cause it, it, it ended up helping out. And then, you know, he did the same thing in return, not immediately, but eventually. Um, how long did that take? He did a little bit of a drink conversation, but then I think he started thinking about things over a couple of weeks and then he was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And he was appreciative that I had brought it up and mm. some other things like that. So, um, yeah, to summarize everything, it was, a I recognized I made a money or I made a mistake regarding money. And I had to kind of come full circle and, and fix a relationship that I broke because of that. I had already made the mistake with my mother, wasn't talking to her, and then she passed away. Oh, shit. Okay. That's not great. Now it's weighing on me. And then all of a sudden, as I'm kind of becoming more and more self-aware on everything that's going on, I'm thinking, oh, 
wait a second, I'm doing the same thing with my dad right now. Why am I going to not talk to him on a weekly basis? Because I'm afraid of the conversation we'll have because it's always aggressive. And then I was like, wait, it's like, that's the, it's the same mistake the second time. So I had to do something about it. That was weighing on me more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not going to do the same mistake twice. And um, yeah. That's crucial. Yeah. I think that answers the question. But. Very much so. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about school for a second. I, so as you know, I'm not like a big supporter of school and I totally respect where you're coming from as well. Um, in the preparation for this, I actually wrote down, what did I write down? I wrote down school going through, yeah, 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 I wrote down going through school and the system, but equally thinking it's bullshit. And your response was a small edit to the school one, because I gave you the questions ahead of time. So you were prepared, um, a small edit to the school one. Don't think it's bullshit, but I think that people turn it into some bullshit. Would you like to comment on that? Yeah, for sure. So I guess for some backstory, obviously Josh decided to not go through the school route. Yeah, not my thing. I I ended up going through all of it. So I did college instead of university. They gave me a scholarship and ended up working out. Um, I just, I had no idea you you were a scholarship. Not a big one, but just a little one. Okay. Yeah. It was so just I a little extra no clue. Okay. Yeah. The real decision maker was co-op. So Con- I went to Conestoga and they had offered co-op. It was actually mandatory with the program I had selected. And um, I had talked to my brother and a few other people who had already gone through the school system. They said, if you have an opportunity, definitely do the co-op stuff. It puts you like leaps ahead. Um, so that was a big decision maker. But yeah, the school thing, I mean, um, I think that a lot of people are very strongly opinion on it both ways. So some people think it's just absolute garbage. Uh, some people say if you don't go to school, you're not going to succeed in life. I think both of those people are foolish. Um, I think that the people who approach school with, you know, it's just a pure opportunity and whatever you make out of that, it's your decision. That's the right mindset. So, um, again, tying into the, the college versus university piece. Some people look down on college. Some people don't. I looked at college and said, okay, listen, the school is not as good. That's just the reality of it. Less resources, et cetera. Um, but... What I do have is small class sizes and really good teachers, right? So I kind of utilized that and focused on that piece throughout school. So yeah, sure, I'm still getting the base education piece, but what I took advantage of was the fact that there's these teachers here. So I turned one teacher into a mentor, another one gave me free legal advice on a startup, and a third one gave me a co-op opportunity. So, you know, I approached it as, okay, what are the key strengths of this school specifically, or what are the key strengths of the approach I'm taking? And I took advantage of that piece. So. It's really smart. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some people who, who didn't do that. And I, I used to get pretty fired up about it, which is why I think you picked that as a question. But I think back to one story and the guy who gave me the co-op opportunity was a fantastic teacher. He worked for like Microsoft. He worked for uh, Amazon. He, he was he was a strategic planning teacher and was a really smart guy. Um, very good perspective on life. And he was teaching just because he enjoyed it. Fantastic. That's the perfect kind of teacher you want. Um, one day before class, I'm sitting uh, in there with one of the students and himself. And a student was complaining about not being able to get a co-op job uh, because of the Conestoga College name. And I said, mm, that's kind of foolish. Like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, well, it has a bad reputation. He's like, a co-op employer actually asked me if it was even a degree program. I said, that's on you, man. Like, it's your job to change his perspective of the brand, right? Sure, it might already have some preconceived notions out in the world, but find a company that's already hired Conestoga students and focus on them. Right. That's exactly. that's your approach. OK, if that doesn't work, don't write Conestoga on your resume if you're really that worried about it. Write, you know, um, BBA honors degree program. And then when you're in the interview and you've got to that first stage, explain why Conestoga is better than the university. Like I just did with the teacher thing. Right. 
and he, you know, he was arguing back and forth. He's like, oh, you just can't get over that hump. And I'm like, I don't want to sound like a dick, but you're completely wrong here. Like you need to approach it with a better perspective and, you know, focus on the strengths of it. Teacher didn't say much, but then after that was when he gave me the co-op opportunity. Mm. Right. So I ended up making, uh, building a relationship with him after that. That was really, that was the start of the, of that class. And, um, yeah, so I think he appreciated the perspective I was taking on it as well. And I ended up building a relationship with someone else as I was trying to kind of help this guy out. And, uh, I, I say help out, but you know, I was a little bit aggressive at that time too. So I was, <laughs> I was telling him he was wrong in a way, you know, like, you know, yeah, but I see where you're coming from with that. It yeah. was, it was for the better. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's got a great job now. That, that gentleman who I'm referring to, so. So he figured it out. He figured it out, absolutely. Yeah, That's good shit. The company he works for actually hired, I think, three people from the same program, so. Mm. You know, he focused on a Conestoga hiring company and, and you know, did well. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What was uh, your biggest lesson, if you could take one away from school? From school, yeah, it's a tough one. <clears throat> um, Anything that come to mind? Yeah, I think it's it's what you, what you put in, you get out. So there were people who I'm still really good friends with who, who put too much into school um, and then didn't focus on anything externally or didn't add anything in any other, any other areas, excuse me, who were kind of disappointed at the end. What, is, um, what, what exactly? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, for like sure. Another area meaning? Yeah. So, um, you know, some people would, you know, put 80% of their effort or 50% of effort into school and, you know, 50% of the other effort into a job that is kind of related to their field or whatever it might be. Some people, myself... I went and became a, a certified project manager outside of school on top of everything because that, that was I knew that's where I wanted to go. So I wasn't just relying on one source for education, right? Um, so I think you know I recognized early on that school can provide a lot of things, cool, but you can't rely on that for everything, which ties into everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I put in a decent amount of effort into my classes. I wasn't a, a perfect student by any means, um, but I recognized when there was a good opportunity for me to learn something I didn't already know. And I put extra effort into that to make sure I got as much as I could, right? Same thing goes for those teachers. Um, those three teachers that I talked about, I put a lot of effort in those classes because I knew that they cared about the students and they were there because they enjoyed teaching. And then I got back out what I put in, right? Um, so it took me about two years to figure that out, I think. Definitely missed some opportunities, of course. Um, but that's a huge one. And I think there's some other students who, who did the same thing as me and are in great spots because of it. Um, but some other ones that did the opposite as well. So mm. it goes both ways on that one. Yeah. Talk a little bit about um, how you're, what you've learned in school and, and going through school has prepared you for entrepreneurship because you are, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because during you were starting Startable, right? Yeah, I would have been in year, end of year one when I started the first, or I had attempted to start the first company, I guess. Okay. Um, so the school was actually fantastic for, uh, for what I needed to get started on the business. So the program was, uh, uh, BBA, so it's all of your typical business stuff, but with an international focus. Um, so it's just you know everything you learn in a typical business program with with an extra little caveat of you know ge- geography and how that impacts everything, uh, especially when it comes to legal stuff and um, you know all of your accounting and whatnot. But um, you know I, I, I decided to take the marketing stream because that was my focus at the time. And, and what led you to that? Ah, <clears throat> uh, that's a tough one. Um, the options were uh, marketing, supply chain, and HR at the, when I had made my decision the first time around. Um, supply chain was tough, I'll be honest. Um, that is a, a tough gig, and it's a little bit cut and dry in my opinion. I was more focused on the strategy stuff, so I had taken a couple classes, strategic planning was one of them, uh, where we focused on 
you know, making decisions that are impacting the organization across the board, um, no matter how small or big. And I clearly was a big fan of that. Um, marketing was the closest thing to strategy I could get at the time. So that was the, the main piece. Um, I'd also taken some PM classes, as I mentioned. Um, same thing there, it's very strategy focused. It's about you know keeping a team on pace. Um, the ultimate goal is to end up in some, some form of an executive job, right? Mm. And then I started kind of leaning into the little entrepreneurial stuff. Um, but all of those pieces kind of added together of like, okay, I need, I need to understand how to market, how to sell, um, how to do the books, how to handle the legal stuff, um, you know, the types of different businesses, et cetera, all that stuff that kind of fit together, everything was touched on in, in the program. So I had the benefit of having a little bit of knowledge from everywhere and then was able to identify the spots where I was really weak. Accounting is one of them right now uh, that I need to get better at in order to run a business. Um, so school was fantastic for that. Um, a lot of benefits that came out of that for sure. Hmm. Uh, I think that was the question, right? The, it was why you chose marketing. Well, why I chose the marketing piece, yeah. Um, it's tough because I've now transitioned away from marketing. So it's hard to think back. I feel like, like It's hard to think back now, <laughs> but... Um, it's, yeah, okay, it's okay if you can't remember. You know, it's, uh, it was a little bit of everything. It was fun. It's very... Uh, it's what people see, right? It's a little more on the fun side of things. Mm. Um, you know, supply chain is more mathematical, more process driven. HR is a whole other thing. Um, you know, some people are good with that. I'm not as good. Um, whereas marketing, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. You get to deal with consumers and, and understand buyer behavior and stuff, which is a whole a whole funnel in itself. And you know, so it, it's almost like more of a fun game, if you will. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, trying to get inside people's head. Really what you're trying to do it, right? Interesting. Um, which is exciting to me, and I guess that's probably the main thing. Fascinating. Does this relate? Like, do you you like games? Obviously, right? We're, we've always enjoyed our. What do you mean? Like, in what context? Like sports and games. Yeah, yeah and all that for shit. sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean like gamification. So in this case, mm -hmm. I feel like that might be related to this. Is why that found interesting. Yeah, definitely. Interesting yeah, to do. definitely a driving piece, right? Almost everything I do is, like you mentioned, super competitive. But <clears throat> for areas where that doesn't make sense, I use gamification to make it work anyway just to keep me into it right mm. um yeah school is kind of a game in a way you're competing with all of your classmates right um whether you admit it or not that's kind of true um some people true. took it more seriously some people didn't um you know i always tried to compete with one specific person who was a straight a student uh and it worked out really well i ended up you know doing a international case competition with her and all this other stuff but um, she might not have known I was trying to compete with her, but it was it was in a way that I just used internally, right, to kind of mm -hmm. keep myself focused. So, um, yeah, it's a great way to, to kind of keep going and stuff. Did that come from like things like hockey back in the day? Yeah, definitely. From sports, sports definitely impacts it. Another one is just having a brother. <laughs> oh, that's facts. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> actually, so Kyle and I were talking about this the other day and how competitive we really are, and as you get more competitive, it just brings the other person up, right? So it's like a, it's a never ending cycle, which is dangerous at times. Um, some people think I'm overly competitive. It depends what you value in that. Um, I think you're in a good competitive zone. It just zone. depends, right? Yeah, it depends what you're talking about. But, uh, so I think he was probably the main reason that I'm the way I am as far as the gamification and competitiveness goes. Um, I don't regret it. I, I like that. Um, and we're still competitive to this day. Yeah, you guys fucking are. Yeah, I mean, the fun story is, so I was, I was just living over there since Angie's a nurse, so I gave her the house and we spent, I was there for six or seven weeks, six weeks, and he's got a foosball table that he got relatively recently. So we decided to do a proper 
you know, foosball tournament. So it was six weeks of best of threes that we would keep track of. And it was like, I, I never lost a week, obviously, because no big deal. But it was uh, heated, you to say the least. A week? Yeah, it went flawless on the weeks. He was not happy about it. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, so it was, it was a heated, like it was an aggressive uh, I don't even want to think time. about how ruthless he got with the chirps after that. Yeah, anyway, it was fun. Like it was, that's more of a fun <laughs> one. But uh, yeah, you've seen the two of us together, so you can oh, imagine how intense that was. So yeah, you guys are truly one of a kind when you guys get going yeah. with each other. Yeah, it's one of the like, loudest foosball things I've ever seen. Oh like, Jesus, yeah. I wish I could see footage of that. I oh. think it'd be really entertaining. Yeah. Fuck, that's hilarious. Yeah. As I take a sip of my water, fucking huge ass jug. Okay, um, I derailed you for a second there. I was mm-hmm. going to say how school prepared you and how that prepared you and, and then how startable prepared you for mm. what is now tactics yeah okay so yeah the school was all the pieces all the little pieces that kind of came into one um that wasn't to say i knew what i was doing because i definitely didn't um startable was the first kind of i guess business we had attempted um lucky enough to have again the brother so uh, he's a software engineer and then i was coming from the business side of things so fantastic chemistry as far as um, we both bring the different pieces to the same or different pieces to the table mm-hmm um, and I'm trying to remember how that one actually started. I think it was Kyle's idea. It was a validation, a validation software, if you will, um, which is funny because the number one mistake we made was not validating the software early on. So it was kind of uh, enjoyable, adolescent. but yeah, it was very adolescent for sure. So I mean, yeah, I guess the school got me interested in that in that route. And then once I started actually doing the startable stuff, you know, I was recognizing mistakes as I was going, which is fantastic. But um, it wasn't until after that and I was completely done and we had spent, I think, about a year and a half on it um, that we said, oh, like, oh, shit, like, why didn't we do this, this and this and et cetera? Um, To answer your specific questions, like, you know, how did that lead into tactics? Um, We enjoyed it. We enjoyed working together, which was huge. Um, A lot of people questioned it. Oh, you can really work with your brother. That seems kind of crazy. But it worked out. It was enjoyable. We were brainstorming a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, we're also challenging ourselves in new ways. So again, when it comes to the, you know, I was putting pieces in education and other spots and work, et cetera. Um, this was a new one and it was driven hundred percent by myself, right? Which is very new, um, very rewarding as well. Um, so, you know, I think the, the fact that we failed in a way was a good piece that tied into the fact that we wanted to keep going and keep thinking of new ideas. Uh, so we actually spent, I think another, another almost full year trying to think of something new. Um, and we didn't want to force it. So we wanted the idea to kind of come naturally. And I'm referring to tactics now, which is the newest one. Um, so we waited for the right opportunity, if you will. I mean, it, that was tough because we both wanted to be doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were both kind of like, you know, what are we doing with our spare time right now? And was, the answer was like, you know, you know stupid things are not as valuable as what it used to be. Uh, yeah, so the, the failure and, and the want to kind of continue doing that or continue learning in our own way was probably the biggest piece that drove to the tactics. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. I like that the the meta lesson, if you will, like with the, you guys are very focused on validating correctly this time, I've noticed. Um, yeah, so this time around, we spent like an entire month on validating it. So uh, instead of messing around with actually even prototyping or anything like that, um, I focused on the pain point that I experienced uh, at my old co-op, the fact that, you know, we were having a hard time with the content strategy, engaging customers, et cetera. Um, and I actually went back as a form of validation to the, to my boss at the time and said, Hey, listen, this is the idea we have. 
I wanted to talk to talk to you about it first. Um, you know, you experienced it with me. This wasn't this was a shared feeling. And, you know, she was on board and she gave me some really good feedback about what we could kind of do to fix that. And then I ended up talking to other industry professionals, getting their vibe on it. Um, I talked to my mentor, who was a teacher, who was a, a serial entrepreneur, to say the least. Um, and then we did our best to do some uh, some external validation as well, surveys, some other stuff like that, um, and got as close as possible to a sale that we could. Um, so we had a few people kind of signed up, if you will, to be first testers or, or be, um, be users of that software. Um, you know, now a year later, we're in a position where we're doing the final form of validation of actually trying to get some dollars for it, mm. um, which is a difficult thing. And it would be ideal if you can do it at the beginning um, because of the way we were approaching stuff. It was, it was hard to do that. It's definitely tougher with software, but if you can yeah. pull it off, it's a fucking W yeah. and a half because yes, dollars sure. are much more important in terms of validation mm-hmm. than just that's, blanket words, if you will. Yeah, exactly. That's the true validation. And if you, ever, if you can never get there, that's the, the ultimate spot. But uh, it can be difficult. Um, and that's something that, you know, I will improve on even further the next time. So because we were lacking so far in the validation, you know, this time was good, but still not that good. Um, so there's definitely some, some room to grow in that one. Yeah. Always and forever. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, what, okay, let's, yeah, let's go, let's go, um, freedom. You like freedom, right? In what we, regard? We've talked about freedom, how this is important to you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, we've talked also in the past about how your concept, and actually Kyle's as well, of you you don't want to live to work. Correct, yeah. Some people live with the mentality of living to work versus working to live. It's a common expression, right? Um, so yes, absolutely. Uh, the freedom that aligns with that is you know putting you, know, you put yourself in a position where, again, you put in what you get out, you know, you're doing the things that you actually enjoy and yeah, you have the freedom to make a decision or, or change a company or pivot or, or whatever it is, um, to make sure you stay happy or, you know, stay free. Um, that's a difficult thing to do in the workplace. Um, you know, I'm working full time now as well. I'm doing other stuff, but you know, luckily where I work now, I still have a lot of freedom, which I respect and appreciate. And I count that as almost a that's almost equivalent to that of a salary, if you will. Mm. Um, you know, there's a there's almost a dollar value that comes with freedom. Um, Can you elaborate on that more? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'll give my specific example. So the company I work for is, is rather small. Um, did I take a pay cut to work there to have more freedom? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, there are interesting people I work with, um, and because there's less of us, everyone has a little more responsibility and a little more freedom on you know how you work, the time you work. Um, the stuff you choose to work on, you know, the things that, you know, what do you think is actually going to be vibe of the company? Uh, that's a rare thing a new graduate can say, which is nice. Um, you know, I know a lot of my old classmates are in positions where it's a little more corporate, uh, it's very structured. They don't have any of that. Um, mm. And you remind me, are you in support of something like corporate or are you more? Yeah, I think it depends on the person. So for same, you specifically? For me, no, I, I don't think I would fit too well. Again, freedom thing, right? Like it's tough. Right. Um, you can't really enact change except for a few select positions in a corporation um, to some degree. I also speak with some bias because I've never truly done it. Um, I've done it on a smaller scale with some like some of the co-ops, but um, I can't talk smack about it because I haven't like, you know, been in that position myself. I respect that. Um, but I know myself well enough and I can, you know, have a good enough perspective to recognize that I wouldn't fit in there. Mm. Um, you know, at work, I can be aggressive as well. 
um, that doesn't usually fly too well with stuff like that. You, know, you have you know the very top down approach. Not a fan myself. Yeah, personally, um, I feel very similarly. Yeah, like I'd much rather be working in a place where everyone's kind of it's kind of flat, right? Everyone respects everyone's opinion. But there's also a level of okay, he's an expert in that area. He's an expert in that area. If it comes down to it, he's going to make the decision there, mm. right? Which is 100 percent how Kyle and I work as well. Which is the first kind of taste of that I got. So, <clears throat> you know, we have when we had first made the startup, we were worried about, you know, we're going to be arguing about stuff. So we, we decided to make a document to, uh, to break quarrels, if you will. So if we ever disagreed on something, there was a, a formal strategy of how we would get through that. And the underlying piece there was, okay, if it's in your field, you make that decision, right? Um, so if it was marketing or sales or, or more on a business strategy side of things, it was, it was me, but anything software based, anything process wise, it was, you know, kind of, okay, Kyle, you know better here. It's fine. And the same is applied now where I work as well. So um, as soon as I got a taste of that, I was like, okay, that's much better. And then the, the respect is mutual across the board. It's so much easier to give the respect when you know you're getting a little bit back to. Mm. Um, adds a whole different dynamic to work, right? Um, so I was lucky enough to experience it early and then kind of, you know, watched other people go through different scenarios and try to learn from everyone else's. And then, yeah. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that as well. Like, why wouldn't you do it like that? I just, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, some, some people really like, they like the structure. Um, some people work really well in it. Some people rise really quick because of it. Right. When you have a set, you know, list of things that you're responsible for, you can do them really well. Right. So let me give two examples myself at my job right now. I'm doing, you know, I would say like 25% of four different jobs, which isn't necessarily the best way to do things. Uh, it just happened to be the position I'm in and I kind of have to run with it, right? Whereas in a corporation where you have a bigger team, let's say you're doing one thing, you really can focus on that one thing and just really kind of drive it home, right? It's the same concept of doing like, you know, four different jobs, you know, or work going to school and then doing a startup and also having a job. You're not performing 100%. Mm -hmm. You could kind of say the same thing for the corporate versus the, the really free, free flow piece. Now the hope is that you have enough structure that whatever job you're doing, if even like what I'm doing now, there's enough structure there where I can kind of make it work. I still yeah. do things as, to my best ability. Um, but if all of a sudden a corporation offered me just to focus on that one piece of the four, there's a good chance I would do that one piece really, really well. Right? Some people really excel in that scenario. I wouldn't. I'd feel a little bit cornered because I don't have the ability, you know, those other three pieces to kind of tie into it at times. I don't have the ability to control that anymore and it would throw me off personally, right? Mm. Whereas other people are okay with that, so... So you're really just playing a game of self-awareness here? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's 100% what it is. Good stuff. Yeah. In terms of, um, so you're, you're, you're going to stay away from corporate as much, as long as possible. Um, yeah, I think so. In terms of entrepreneurship, is that like what has attracted you? Like the freedom? Like, obviously I hate talking about the freedom of entrepreneurship because when you don't have a boss, you have more bosses than ever yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, like your customers are your bosses. Exactly. And then sure. the fucking, yeah, you just have so many more things you need to account for, um, that become your bosses. So does this, does this align with you in terms of freedom still? Yeah, I think it does, but it's not the driving factor. Um, what is the driving factor for you? I think just the concept of doing it myself, just like just building something. And I say that building myself, or with a team, same thing. Um, but the the reward or the feeling of that is fantastic, right? And I haven't even felt it to the full extent yet. Um, I felt little tidbits of it and it's already fantastic. So that's why I continue to do it. Mm. But uh, yes, the freedom is nice, fantastic. But like I said, you can make that freedom in other, other places as long as you approach it in the right way. So <clears throat> what you can't do is create something yourself. 
and truly say, okay, I made this or I did this or, you know, and, and, you know, have that feeling of, uh, I don't know, gratitude or whatever it is, um, towards the people who helped you. And then, um, the feeling of success that comes with that too. It's, um, something I've been chasing for a while and that's kind of the main focus of why I continue to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, the freedom is just a plus, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I work much harder and I'm probably less free <laughs> in my startups than I am in my jobs. Mm. And I hold myself to a higher standard in my own stuff than I, than I would in a job in all reality. Yeah. And it brings you just a greater sense of fulfillment and yeah, all that sure. other stuff. Yeah. Fulfillment's the word I was looking for. It's perfect. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, how, or what would you say is firing up, firing you up the most right now in terms mm. of like business life, et cetera? Like what is most inspiring to you right now? Whether that's a person, a thing, a situation, what oh, have you. Okay. Inspiring or just driving me? <laughs> I mean, they're very similar feelings. Mm -hmm. So you can combine them if you want, or you can touch on both. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the driving one I'll touch on first, it kind of ties into that. So yeah, the, the kind of journey of doing what I know I want to do. That's fantastic. Like there's no better feeling than that. Right. I think a lot of people have a hard time with identifying what they want to do myself included. I'm not like going to pigeon my whole pigeon self pigeonhole myself into one, you know, industry or whatever it is. But, um, I know I want to be doing my own thing. And that was, that's enough for me to feel the fulfillment already on that journey. So that right there is a huge driving factor. So that kind of keeps me going on whatever it is. The inspiration piece is a tough one. Um, I'm not a typical person who kind of takes in a lot of content or looks to external sources for any drive. Um, it's not my thing. Like I don't spend a lot of time on social media. I don't watch the Gary V podcast or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of, I use the expectation of myself and what I want to be and just use that as a driving piece. Bro, that's, yeah. that sounds like enough. So yeah, for sure. So I, yeah. And you're not, you've never been like one to love things like books or something like that. You've been more of like, I want to learn this myself type of thing. So yeah, for sure. Action. It's not to say I don't like reading cause that's not necessarily the case. I'm not a book guy, but what I do read a lot of is like case studies and stuff like that. And so more like something that's more geared towards what I would actually make a decision based on. So um, I touched on like the international case competition and that was something I did not, it was through school, but it was like, you know, it was extra, right? Uh, it was cause I enjoyed reading cases and trying to solve an entire business problem. Right. So my, my reading and the time I spend doing that stuff was directed in a different area than, than that of like an inspirational book. Cause that's not, right. I recognized early on that wasn't really what I was interested in. Mm -hmm. I didn't need help being inspired necessarily, but enjoyed being challenged. Those are the differences. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause it's like a, it's a similar energy, but it's different. Yeah. Cause challenge is more of a motivation mm. though. It can be an inspiration as well. It's like different types of energies. Yeah. Like, are you pushing against something or are you going towards something? Yeah. So it, even though you're saying like, you're not like looking for inspiration, it sounds like you're also like inspiring yourself internally Yeah, exactly. through like the chase of yeah. trying to go after something rather than the avoidance of another path. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I almost treat them the same, right? It's kind of the same thing in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what else can I say here? Hmm. Let's go rapid fire real quick. Okay. And this doesn't have to be, I actually <laughs> low key have been throwing out some of these rapid fires already accidentally, yeah. but, uh, they don't need to be like short or long. They can be whatever. Okay. Just go for it. And, um, you just said like, you don't have any inspirations externally technically um but do you have like any any big inspiration person wise that's like yeah. that fires you up right now or like anything like that 
it doesn't even need to be a person. It could be like a company. It could be, it could be an, an example from a, a case study that like really excited you, mm-hmm. anything like that. That's a tough one. Yeah. It's def- so like I said, it's definitely not a person. There's no one person I think, oh, wow, I'd like to be like that. That seems weird to me personally. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, whether it's a company, that's a little more interesting to me. Um, you know what? I'm going to take a bit of a different approach here. Shoot. The people who inspire me are the leaders I currently have to work with who take a different approach that I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm learning a lot from. Mm. In, in like a, in a weird way, kind of a backwards way, if you will. So like my boss, for example, like, you know, he's, he's a different kind of leader I've never dealt with before. And then the same could be said for, you know, my last two jobs. So I'd almost like take a bit of each of the three of them and kind of steal the part that they're doing really well. So my boss right now, like he's fantastic at making sure that you have like the right mental health and you're coming into work with the right mindset. Fantastic. I've never seen anyone better as a leader personally. And then like I've had other, another leader who was, somehow capable of turning the marketing department into like the strategic driving factor of an entire organization, which is the way I think it should be because of her. So like I would almost take a couple of these pieces from each of the bosses as my inspiration. Um, and then also the negative sides of things too. So each of them have a negative piece as you would. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of understanding what they're doing and what I think I could do better. Um, yeah. So not a conventional inspiration, but a slightly different one. It's more of like a experiential inspiration, if you will. I appreciate that a thousand percent. And you also touched on something important there, which is like, you don't look up to anyone. It sounds like in a whole like perfection type of way, meaning there's not like any one person you want to be like, Mm -hmm. but there sounds like there are things you would like to Mm -hmm. take from people and apply to your own situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that a lot. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to be like any one person. I want to be me with like, for example, if I was asked this question, it would definitely be, Gary was my number one. Yeah, which I could have guessed for you. Yeah, 100%. Right, for sure. However, I don't want to be Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. I want to be Josh Moxie, who yeah. has some Gary tendencies. Yeah. Like to steal what he, yeah. what is, works for him traits, and yeah. it works for me. Yeah. And that aligns and then do that for whoever I feel like in addition to that. So yeah. I definitely appreciate that answer. There you go. Um, what is the most important lesson you've learned in the past year, if any stick out to you? Yeah. Okay. Um, I will do one for like uh, kind of workplace focus and then one more on like the life startup or whatever you want to call that uh, grouping. So first one in work, this is something that was recommended to me by my mentor, which was uh, put yourself in uncomfortable professional situations where you don't know if you'll do good and just do your best. So I said, oh, okay. Um, you know, what does that really mean? And I was kind of confused by it for, for, for a while and then an opportunity came up. So um, at work, um, we need someone to kind of fill the sales role. Uh, I had never considered myself a sales guy. Um, I wasn't the best at, you know, persuading people into certain things. Um, but the opportunity came up and I said, okay, you know what? Sure. I think I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. Like I need to learn how to do that. And then at the time I also recognized, uh, in the startup world, um, sales is one of the things I hadn't done yet. So why not take the opportunity to do it for someone else, get good at it and then apply it to my own things. Right. So, mm. Um, I put myself in a position to kind of, I guess, force awkward conversations that I wasn't necessarily good at yet uh, and just kind of roll with the punches. And man, what a fantastic decision it was because now I consider it one of my favorite parts of the job, mm. which is crazy, right? And not only that, but I've gotten good at it, right? I won't, you know, I feel confident enough that I can apply in other areas now 
um, you know, and like I said, it's a small company, but I, I, I've done, you know, well enough to the standards of the company and the standards of myself to, to say that I'm, I could be a salesman now, mm-hmm. which is a cool thing to be able to say. So, um, that was definitely a big one. I tried to now keep doing that. <clears throat> so when an opportunity comes up, I'll say, oh, I'll try that. Sure. Why not? Um, so I, so I kind of stole off my mentor, but he was definitely right. Oh, hell yeah. That's, yeah. That, you, he, he presented it to you. You applied it. So like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's so important. Yeah. Um, the other one? Yeah, the other one, uh, so more of like, I guess, it's, I guess it's more startup focused. Um, this is based off of the startable mistake and then based off of where we are in tactics now. Um, we've been in development for about a year and a half, which is way too long, way too long. So um, <clears throat> we were kind of spitballing what we should have done better. And uh, the ultimate answer was prototype down to the smallest piece you can sell. So we talked about how you need to validate with actual dollars. This is how you do it. So our software is ultimately we thought about, it's about five different pieces that we could sell individually. So what we should have done is focused on the first one. Okay, now we're down to one, right? And then we should have whittled that down even further of like, okay, what do I actually need to have as a deliverable to the client for this to be sellable, Mm -hmm. right? And then ultimately what you do, you go down to that bare minimum, you try and sell it. If it doesn't work, add a little bit. Sell it, try it, and just keep going, right? Um, So that's the approach that we should have taken. And that's the approach I will continue to take moving forward. Excuse me. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah. So, you know, you know, we, we, I mean, you say it out loud and it sounds kind of like, yeah, of course do that. But it's more difficult to do than you think because, you know, you find yourself in a position of, oh, that's a really cool feature that would go really well paired with this. Oh, oh yeah. All of a sudden it's huge, right? And um, Kyle and I both came in with the approach of like MVP is crucial. Like don't overdo it. In fact, we had multiple ways to keep the scope inside of the MVP. Um, because of startable mm. um and probably because of our fuck-ups with dfluff as well for sure yes, yeah of like, course the dfluff stuff too for context kyle and i worked together on dfluff mm-hmm. and like we were so or for me specifically i was the worst at warning every little feature so i so related to what you just yeah. said right there and like i'm not like that as much anymore thankfully and mm-hmm. then what you just said right there with uh starting as small as you can and seeing and just keep adding until it gets the validation yeah. it needs that's beautiful yeah continue with what you're saying yeah, I mean, that, that's, that pretty well sums it up, but, you know, it puts you in a position where you're not wasting any time either. Um, if you find a successful business model with 10% of what you thought you were going to have to make, well, you just save yourself a shit, shitload of money. Yeah. Time, time is money in that scenario, right? So, um, yeah, so of course it sounds easy when you think about it now, but uh, it's very difficult to force yourself into that situation. But now that we've experienced, you know, step step one, we didn't do any. Step two, we got about 50% of the way, and then the next time around, we're gonna kind of try and make up that extra 50% that we missed out on in terms of validation, mm. as well as prototyping, et cetera. Um, of course, this is all very specific to software stuff. Um, I tend to focus on that end specifically because of Kyle. Also, that's where my interests lie as well, so, um, yeah. Sweet. Mm-hmm. What random obsession do you have that most people don't know about you? Oh, that's a tough one. And if not obsession, you can say interest as well. Okay. It's fine. Whatever I say, you'll have to see. you have to tell me whether you knew about it or not, I guess. Deal. Um, I've learned two things about you today. I forget the first one. Or sorry, the, the scholarship I learned. And I also learned you low-key have a photographic oh, memory. Like, what the fuck? Piece. Yeah. The more you know. I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, just based on, like, the friend groups and whatnot, a lot of people just assume that I'm very, like, messy or unorganized. Um, but the reality is I'm like hyper organized, like uncomfortably organized in, in, in the workplace. Mm. Um, in fact, too much at times. 
Um, I was told at a very young age that if people knew about that, that they would take advantage of it. Which sounds kind of weird. In a, in a good way or a... In a bad way. So they're like, if people find out that you're as organized as you are, people are going to use you as a way to like keep track of their stuff. I said, okay, that's interesting. And then I didn't experience it until my first co-op. And then all of a sudden people kept asking me for like, oh, like what, what is it that needs to be done? Or what's the timeline on this? Or et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then I was like, it was okay. I was okay with it because I was in a co-op and you know, I felt like I just needed to f help wherever I could, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it quickly became annoying and it's like, now they're looking to me to answer all of their questions on what they should already know. Right. So I didn't necessarily hide it away, but, uh, it's not something that people would expect from me, I think. Mm. Um, again, the friend group is a really good example of this, but, uh, you know, they see like a messy room, for example, I'm sure <laughs> I might be messy in other ways, but, yeah. uh, when it comes to the workplace, it's very different, very different. Um, yeah. So I kind of hide that one. Don't, don't, uh, I don't tell people about it necessarily. I don't, I, yeah, I man, could, in, in you know, personal life, I could share that information. I just choose not to, cause I'm just used to kind of benefiting myself from it as well as the company, but not letting other people take advantage of me for it. Hmm, that makes all the sense. Mm -hmm. It's also like something that would be a similar answer for me because like people don't know how much I'm obsessively tracking and upset. Like I'm, mm -hmm. there's so many random ass systems that I have in my day to day and people have no fucking clue because of course, why else would they know? Right. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Um, what else can I say here? We've got, yeah, one last thing. If you could listen to one song. Actually, wait, fuck that. I actually fucking hate that question, so we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're going to do um, music. What is the, um, what, what music speaks to you the most? This is obviously completely different from the rest of the conversation, but I feel mm -hmm. like it's, it's good to note as well. Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, we listen to very different music. Yes, we do. Um, and that's the cool thing. Like, I, did, I don't think of you any differently because you'd listen to different music than me. It's like, yeah, okay. it's cool. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I think it music kind of tells you what kind of person you're dealing with, which is interesting. Um, I, I mean, that, that tells an interesting story for me. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that doesn't at the same time. Cause like you would think because I listen to such heavy and aggressive music that I would be like fucking crazy and like psychotic. That's true. So yeah, you're not. Yeah, that's true. It's that's why nice. I think it's a funny, it's a funny situation. The type of music I listen to and who I become when I'm listening to it versus how I am in everyday life. It's very different. I find that's, that's fair. I'm technically on the opposite spectrum. So like people classify the music I listen to as depressing in some ways. So like, not, I won't call it like folkier, but like kind of like sadder music, like slower, uh, stuff like that. Like, you know, folkier, like, I, I don't like using the word folk, but like John Mayer type stuff. And then like, some people are like, oh, the music I listen to is so depressing, but it's because of their viewpoint on it. So like, I listen to a depressing song and like, it doesn't make me sad. It makes me happier. Cause like, I don't know, it's like a weird, I can respect what's going on, but enjoy. And I don't know, it's mm. a weird feeling you get from it, but interesting. Um, I also just love singing songs. I fucking love singing. It's the best thing ever. It's such <laughs> I, a, okay, wait, well, I've never actually seen you properly sing. No, I can't sing for shit. Okay. But like, Everyone has experienced the whole, like you're driving a car and like people are just like singing their heart out. What a great feeling. It Fantastic. Feeling. So my phone is littered with songs like that. So I can create those moments anytime I get a chance. Mm. So like, um, it's either I have depressing music or I have music like that. One of the two, which is kind of a weird mix, but, uh, so you're not belting depressing songs, just purely sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But a big focus on like the, the optimism, uh, the optimistic songs and then belting those to create the moments. Yeah. 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 
do yeah. you use that as a tool to like hype you up when you're when you're feeling a little bit down or um yeah i guess it kind of depends i think uh like i mean i've touched on the perspective of it before but like you can't have happiness without sadness all that bullshit right um i say bullshit but i'm saying it seriously um <laughs> yes no i'm with you so i think like the, the music fits with that like a glove right it's like a perfect example of that so someone might listen to a depressing song and feel depressed but i listen to it and think the opposite because of that mm-hmm. right so yeah, I feel very similar because like yeah. I get my aggression out through music. I don't need to apply my aggression mm-hmm. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So completely relate. Yeah. And I mean, I use stuff like classical music to calm down or focus like crazy. So what kind of stuff with classical? Honestly, I don't like have like uh, specifics. I just kind of throw it down a lot of string stuff. Um, yeah. Used to play a lot of like sax. So I throw down some sax in there. Now. Oh, I forgot that you used to play sax. Yeah. You and uh, you and Colt, right? Mm-hmm. Was was Blake? Oh, Blake was flute, wasn't he? No, he was like clarinet or something weird like that. I, don't it, I feel like it was a, a flute or clarinet. Wait, you might be right with clarinet. Yeah. I was trumpet. Shout yeah. out trumpet gang. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely remember you and Cole fucking loved the sax. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out great sound. Yeah. Um, okay. What else can I say here? I feel like this is a good place to wrap up. Had a good... Good discussion about a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Do I get good. to ask you questions still or what? Yes, you definitely do. That was nice. the one thing I was going to miss. Yeah. Shoot. Um, kind of brings back what we started talking about, but one of the things I admire is the fact that we have stimulated conversations all the time. Technically speaking, like usually when I think of you, I always just kind of associate that with it, right? So first question is like, is that the case with everyone you talk to? And then the second one is, you know, how have you made that the case? Right? Mm-hmm. Or how have you kind of built that relationship with people or how have you <clears throat> avoided certain people to make sure that it stays that way, if it does? Okay, it's a loaded question, so let me tackle one piece at a time. <laughs> um, first off, has it always been like that? No. Uh, before I had a growth mindset and before I started listening to things like podcasts very intensely, I did not have the perspective to be able to ask certain types of questions that would elicit certain types of responses. And then thus, that's really what a conversation is over and over again. So if you're asking the right questions, mm-hmm. it's going to quickly turn into a very enjoyable long form conversation. Mm-hmm. Does it happen? So that it was not like I wasn't born with it because I used to have really shitty, annoying course, conversations yeah. that were just stupid as fuck. And I was basically throwing my time directly in the garbage. Well, we did that see. at one point. So I, yeah, of course, yeah. that is facts. We used to do this as well. Um, but now it's, it's different because I've had such exposure to good conversations through mm-hmm. things like one of the first long form conversation I started consuming would, would definitely be like Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss is so fucking thoughtful in his conversations. It's absolutely like my number one interview mm-hmm. um, inspiration, if you will. Yeah. Like love Gary. He is not that good at interviewing, <laughs> but <laughs> Tim is just so fucking present he asked such good such good questions so someone like him for sure helped plant some seeds and then once those seeds are planted i can start i started like applying certain things and things like um how to win friends influence people stuff like that i don't agree with everything in that but like there are some key principles that just that create better discussions create conversations also when you're just interested in like people's Mm. point of view Things become, yeah. things become a lot fucking easier yeah. to, to have a conversation with. As for people having it with, if you will, like, does it always happen? No, there are like 
so, so some family members, some people in society, certain types of people are just not able to have those types of conversations. And like, of course, yeah. I also don't want to have them if they don't want to have them. It's not worth mm-hmm. my time. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, yeah. a big energy waste for me because they're going to be just like maybe wanting to debate. They're maybe going to <laughs> like want to fight me on everything uh, or just like plant shitty seeds in my head that it will it's it'll actually like take away from my energy rather than add. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this isn't worth it. And then for those types of conversations, I absolutely like keep things very surface. And if I don't want to talk about deep shit, I also know how to, how to run a conversation like that as well. And keep it, yeah, keep it at that level. Yeah, like just finish I'm up. able to very, very much channel a conversation however I choose, mm-hmm. which is an amazing asset. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't have that. I wish I did. Yeah, I feel like it's trainable though. So that's that's a good it's thing. True. That's true. Um, and in that, I like can talk about whatever and avoid whatever because I am in control of the conversation, which is incredibly useful in business, in social life, etc. Though I will say this, even as I feel like I've been a good conversationalist for half a decade now, I've got it pretty good in like 2015 type of thing. Um, but there's areas I still have a lot to work on. Like, Number one, probably talking to girls, like (laughs) specifically in the sense that like I want to have meaningful conversations. And for whatever reason, I just need to find more girls that are down to have very deep conversations because I can't I I'm down with like a little bit of flirting and teasing with girls here and there. But like, bro, do you know how bad I am at the idea of going into like a club or whatever and just having like a nonsense conversation? That like makes me die on the inside. Hey, you wouldn't fit in with that. I don't think, I don't know either yeah. by any means, but. So that, that, that's becomes like, now I have to find like Otherwise. situations yeah. and events that allow me to find the same type of situations or outcomes, if you will. This is getting questionable very fast, <laughs> but uh, while not having this bullshit conversations, cause they, it literally sucks me to my core when it, at like a soul level, yeah. when I'm just talking about nothing. Really, really yeah, sucks. Fair enough. Did I answer it? Did I miss anything in your... No, you're good. I mean, that's, uh, I think it answers it pretty well. Um, the other one I was going to ask was, uh, most of the content you put out is somehow related to like the creative process in some way, yeah, shape, very, or form. Very processful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so really the first question is, what do you think the number one mistake people make in that area is, right? As far as, you know, being productive or... Um, yeah, just, I wanted to... So when I saw this in the preview, I was getting, mm-hmm. I was curious, what does creative process mean in your definition? Cause I will change my answer. Yeah, I know it's kind of a tough one to answer. I think it depends on everybody, but, uh, I guess it's, if I had to sum up, it's like, uh, producing things in the best way possible to that person, whatever that might be. So getting the most, I guess being the most productive and efficient and successful maybe. Okay. Cause for some people, the creativity comes in different ways, right? Like it could be you're making content, um, for others it's, you know, writing or for, I don't know. It could be just your job and it's kind of still a creative process. So what the number one mistake would be, I'm going to say right off the bat, doing things inside, inside one's head is I think the worst thing you can do. Okay. Like there are so many people that are resistant to putting things out on paper. Mm. I don't care if people are typing, writing on the paper, do what you have to do. Fucking throw it up on a cave wall. Like, Mm. I don't care. Just get it out of your brain because when you are uh when you're operating in your brain 
you can't physically see with your eyes. So it's behind your eyes. And as soon as you bring it in front of your eyes, outside of your mind or outside of your brain onto the page, you have absolute control yeah. over what that thought is. Yeah. You can completely discard it. You can use it for whatever you choose to do with it. Um, exactly. You can manipulate it. You can change it. You can keep it as is. There's a million things. And the examples I'm going to look for here are things like journaling, for example. If you've got like a chaotic brain, mm -hmm. that's not going to be conducive to output. Mm -hmm. So doing things like journaling through like straight up free flow of like a situation that may be like very triggering you, get it out on paper. Yeah. Just that, that's why I keep a journal of just, just documenting as well as just locking things in so they don't have to be in my mind and I can let go of them. Mm. Also things like tasks. If they're sitting around in your brain, just like constantly taking up space, that's taking up space from another future idea that you, you're, you're limiting the amount of ideas you can have because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're, uh, there's a car parked in that spot. Yeah. So I until you, this is the content I saw and this is actually <laughs> yes. made me think of the question. <laughs> so when you take that car out, you're going to get another fucking new car, hopefully yeah. better. Yeah. Even if it's worse, you can t continually do this process of like mm -hmm. get, pull out, get a new one, pull and just you're forever generating yeah, for crazy sure. amounts of ideas. For and sure. like, holy fuck, when you start doing this, it's been insane to me how much my idea flow has improved now. I just have things going to be all fucking day right now. And it's what's amazing is that they're not staying in my brain. As soon as I'm, they come to me, I'll write them down in Notion, throw it in an inbox, sort it all later, and then throw it in like an idea section for each project. So I'm keeping everything like tracked and to the point right there. So, okay, so I touched on journaling, I touched on mind dumping. Um, in terms of, tr I would also say tracking, which is also just related to getting things out of your brain as well. Mm -hmm. Tasks, mm -hmm. like as soon as tasks come up, come up in my brain now, I do something kind of similar to like getting things done where as soon as they're in my brain, I'll like throw them down somewhere and then return back to what I'm doing again. As soon as the idea, as soon as like the task is sitting there, that's an open loop that's taking away energy from yeah. you. So when you put it aside, you're like kind of low key closing the loop temporarily. Yeah. When you close that loop, then you are able to come back more present to what exactly you're doing yeah. and you don't lose it because if you, if you just push it aside, it's going to keep looping back if you don't write it down. Mm. It's still going to, to a degree, don't get me wrong, but it's just reduces there's a piece, the There's a peace of mind there. I've definitely yeah. seen this in, in the workplace as well. Like I've seen people, I mean, even the guy I work with now, um, he gets stressed out easily, I think, because of that, because he doesn't necessarily write stuff down as much. And like I said, I've, I'm on board with the Notion stuff. I love PM softwares. Um, I write stuff down like crazy as well. Even if I'm being repetitive, I don't care. I still do it. Mm. Um, See, that's something I need to work on. I'm, I, it kills me on the inside because of coding stuff. There's like this principle of dry, right. which means don't repeat yourself, DRY. Yeah. And duplicates literally like suck me to my core. So I need to work on that. But uh, it's it's so good that you're, that you're doing yeah. that as well. Yeah, it's all about how you organize it, right? And like how what your workflow is. But yes, I've definitely seen the stress of not doing that and like what it takes. Because it's crazy stressful. Yeah. Like when you mm -hmm. are not organized, organized mm -hmm. it's very easy to be at, at effect of whatever the situation sure. is For but sure. when you start writing things down start organizing properly yeah. then you'll be much much more likely yeah, to be just at focus cost. on piece by piece right so it's, it's exactly better. okay cool i think the only other building question was more of a fun one is uh based on like the creative process stuff and you know i've let you in on bits of how i work and my workflow and whatnot what is the one thing you think i could do better in my process, you know, whether it's, it's what's challenging is because it. I haven't seen your process updated recently. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's changed, what hasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think 
here's the thing. <laughs> I would say get out Notion, but like if it's if what you're working on is working for you, then fucking yeah, I'm already on two you. different PM softwares. So, but I'm just yeah, for me, I'm just obsessed with Notion because it's you've got like all the pages in in one area. You've got tasks acting as tasks are paid. Like everything is just like set up in one area. I only use Google Drive basically for backups now. Mm-hmm. Um, Notes is merely a tool to get shit into Notion. Mm-hmm. Like all of it just funnels into Notion because That's I, why. Yeah. Yep. I'm, so that would be like the software suggestion. But overall, I don't think I know your creative or your uh, your process yeah. enough right now. It's kind of a loaded question, so I wasn't yeah. sure if you'd have like a, a hard answer. That's okay though. Yeah. All right. Cool. Do you have anything else? Or no, I just had a couple. That was it, man. Sweet. Dude, thank you for being my first yeah, podcast guest. Yeah. I'm so glad you're part of it. And uh, I just, again, feel like it was important that I had you for the first because you're just my, my day one of day ones. This is true. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this brought you some tidbits of gold, some perspectives that you can apply in your own life and some life hacks while we're at it as well. Again, if you enjoyed this video, if you enjoyed this podcast, please engage with it, whether that's a a rating on iTunes, a like on YouTube, a comment on YouTube, all those types of things. I would also love to hear, what was your biggest takeaway from this interview? Let me know in the comments below. Again, you can hit me up at at Josh Moxie and give me feedback if you'd like over DM or, or comments or whatever the hell you choose to do with that. And even though Zach's not terribly active on social media, you can definitely check out his, his links out in the description below. I would also ask that if you're in the self-growth type of mindset, the self-improvement type of mindset, that you press subscribe because we've got a ton of things coming down the line, lots of interviews, lots more vlogs, lots more long-form positivity-based podcasts and and videos and stuff like that um i make a ton of videos and ton of podcasts and tons of content around optimism around positivity around mindset motivation life hacking systems all these types of things that are just related to you improving your life self-growth self-improvement all the things like that and i would love to have you along in the journey as we all grow here in our own experiences, our own lives, our own businesses. Um, The goal of this channel, of this podcast is always, how can I help you all evolve and how can we all evolve together? So if you want, if that interests you, would love if you could press subscribe and, and join the community that I am building here and that we are building here. Anyways, thank you so much for watching and listening. As always, do the right thing, be a good human, and I will catch you later.